Good to see you this morning. Thanks to all y'all who came out last night and supported our fish fry. They made, uh, Marcia said, 21-25 last night. So that's a good start. Um, if you weren't aware, last night we had a, a fish fry fundraiser. Say that five times fast. Fish fry fundraiser. Yeah, we, here at Cherokee Baptist Church, you get a little bit of everything. Uh, but anyway, anyway, we were doing that fundraiser to build um, a covered awning um, out back of the church on the old Fellowship Hall slab. And so uh, made a little money last night. And so if you're interested in giving to that, um, I'm sure we'll still we'll still take that money, um, but don't as the Lord leads. As the Lord leads. If you're visiting with us, we're just really tickled that you chose to join with us today. And if you wouldn't mind, fill out one of the blue cards that's in the pew somewhere. Drop it in the offering plate on your way out. We promise not to harass you. We just want to know that you're here. Also, if you're visiting with us online, you should be able to do the same. There's a uh, you can click on a link in the description below the video and you'll be able to, to go find an online bulletin, scroll down to the bottom, and you can fill out an online connection card. And even then, we still promise not to harass you or bother you. Um, we just want to know that you're worshiping with us. Uh, just a few announcements, uh, two actually that I know of. First of all, tonight is our monthly business meeting. Um, and as a member of Cherokee Baptist Church, it is your right, your privilege, and your responsibility to attend. So please make every effort to be present. On that note, um, I'm going to give you another reason why you ought to come tonight. This past week, I received word from the seed company, and um, I think all the appropriate folks up to this point know, uh, missions committee, um, that our, our project in Madagascar has been taken offline. In fact, all projects in Madagascar have been taken offline. So tonight, we're going to have our representative, Dana Fay, from the seed company, Who's going to come and tell us why all the projects in Madagascar um, have been suspended, um, and then she'll she'll talk to us about options. And so, the missions committee is going to meet tonight at five o'clock. And um, so, the missions committee and Dana will bring some recommendations, or at least bring you news about what's going on, and then we'll make a decision about what to do next. Uh, second announcement has to do with the blessing boxes. You notice out in the foyer that there is a box where we're taking donations for the blessing boxes. And those will go out this week. So if you have not had a chance to donate to the blessing boxes, there's a list of things that are on there. So take that into consideration when you go shopping. If you just drop it in that box, it will go out this week. Any other announcements we need to make at this time? Anybody? Anybody? Well, let's have a word of prayer, and uh, James is not here today. He's he's off gallivanting around somewhere, if you know the word gallivant. I've said tickled, gallivant, and a tongue twister, so who knows what's up for the rest of this morning. But Joel and uh, Brooke are leading us this morning, and so thankful for their leadership. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless our time together. Father, we are indeed grateful um, that we are a people um, who have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We've been made righteous in him, that we have a hope and a future. Um, we are being sanctified, conformed to the image of our Savior. We've been given the Holy Spirit, God, as a seal, and to empower us in our living, um, to give us wisdom as we walk through the day-to-day, -day, wondering how do we apply what we know to be true as Christians to the daily things that we encounter in the time in which we live. So, God, you have brought us here. You have given us all things. All things were created by you, and they are for you. And so we are here for no other reason than for you this morning. We pray that as we worship, we worship in spirit and in truth, and that our hearts would truly connect with the things that we are singing and hearing, that we might really, from a whole heart, worship you as you deserve. Lord, we love you. We know you love us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 51, sorry. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you 
brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you delight in truth, in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar.
books from when I was little and when my kids were little, and I was looking for a couple of specific books that I couldn't find. I couldn't find Little Black Sambo, and I couldn't find Uncle Remus and his wonderful story about Br'er Rabbit and Br'er Fox and the Tar Baby. I'd probably be put in jail if I read that to you this morning, but I called my youngest son and I asked him, did I bring that to your house? And he said, yes, I think you did. Anyway, I found the tale of Peter Rabbit. Did y'all ever read this book? You, huh? You haven't read it? You might have watched it. Oh, modern day stuff. Well, what about Rumpelstiltskin? Have you heard of this? You guys have some different favorite books. You've heard of Rumpelstiltskin? This was my favorite. Dumbo? You've probably seen the movie, right? Uh, Jack and the Beanstalk? Uh-huh. What about this one? The Velveteen Rabbit? Yeah. Huh? No? Kyson had... Brandon, would you like to borrow this? Wink and blink and a nod? No? See, y'all have some different stories. Well, I'd like to intercede as librarian. I've actually read a couple of those to you. Awesome. <laughs> I thought you were. I'm just saying. Okay, okay. Well, this morning, I want to tell you about a man, and after I tell you the story, you may recognize the book that was written about him. There was a man born in um, the state of Massachusetts in uh, 1744. And this guy loved to plant things. And by the time he grew up, he was 22 years old, he, beca he became a nurseryman. That means somebody that loves to work with plants and shrubs and trees. And everywhere he went, he took apples and I think Roddy is out there in the foyer. He may not be able to hear me, but he used to call John Johnny Appleseed when we first moved to Cherokee because John was all the time planting seeds. Well, John Chapman used to go everywhere giving people apple seeds to plant because he just loved apple trees. Um, and he wasn't content to just plant apple trees in the town where he lived. He traveled all over the countryside. And he wasn't a wealthy man. He was very simple. He usually didn't have shoes. He went barefooted. And he would make himself shirts out of seed bags. Have you ever had to wear a shirt made out of a seed bag? Me either, but I think I might start because this is pretty cute. <laughs> Um, anyway, as you might imagine, uh, people just loved him, and they started calling him Johnny Appleseed. And he had so many friends, he couldn't count them. And he traveled and gave people apple seeds to plant until the Lord took him home in March of 1845. So he lived a very long time fruitful <laughs> life. I just thought of that. But he even, he wore a pan on his head for a hat and then he could, I couldn't find one that was big enough or small enough, but he traveled everywhere like this and then at nighttime he'd take his pot off his head and he'd cook in it. So he was just a very simple man. The reason I'm telling you this, you may wonder, is because um, Jesus liked to teach people using stories, and his disciple Mark, and Mark's whole name, maybe not his whole name, but his, his name was John Mark. His middle name was Mark, and he was a really good friend of Peter's, another one of the disciples, and so Mark is the one who wrote the story down in the Bible for us about a parable, a story that Jesus taught about um, 
a man who planted seeds, much like Johnny Appleseed. And Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. What Jesus was teaching us is that we are supposed to plant seeds. Yes. Not apple seeds, but seeds of faith. As we go and come and go in our life and we share the good news of Jesus Christ with the people we know, we are planting seeds, and we don't know how it grows. Just like um, Johnny Appleseed would plant seeds, or anyone might plant seeds, and they don't know how it grows. How does that happen? It's a miracle. Well, it's the same way with us. If we tell people about Jesus, we tell them the good news about Jesus. That seed that we've planted is going to grow in their lives and produce fruit. And those people may come to know Jesus Christ as a result. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the story of Johnny Appleseed. And Lord, I just I thank you for John Chapman's life. Um, I thank you that we can look back to it. I thank you, Father, for the story that Mark wrote down in the Bible that Jesus taught about um, a man who sows seeds. Father, help us to always be busy sowing seeds, telling people about the good news of what Jesus Christ has done for us to bring us to you. In his name we pray, amen.
If you would please take your Bible, your copy of God's Word, and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5, in verses 12 through 19 this morning. If you did not bring a Bible, you should find a hardback black one somewhere around you. Turn to the back of the Bible. Find page 122, and you will be at Romans, chapter 5. Again, Romans, chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. Can we all stand for the reading of God's Word? You may notice, um, normally I'm using the English Standard Version. This morning I'm using the New American Standard. And it's just because of their use of capitals to help keep some things straight. So if you brought your ESV and wondering if I'm reading from a different Bible, yes, in fact, I'm reading from a different translation of the Bible. So Romans chapter 12, verse, chapter 5, verses 12 through 19. And this is God's word. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world... And death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one the many died... Much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more those who received the abundance of grace... And of the gift of the right of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, even so through the disobedience of the one the many will be made righteous. Let's pray. Father, again. How grateful we are for your word. We know that it is your pure and undefiled word. It's been inspired by you. It's infallible and inerrant. It's it's perfect for us. It tells us what we need. It rebukes us. It cleanses us. It trains us. Uh, It teaches us. And we are all standing in need of all of those things. We're grateful for the truth that we find in it. And Lord, help it to convict our hearts today and point us to the one person, the one man, who can do something about the one condition that we all share. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, this morning we're continuing sermon series called Getting Lost. Um, and I just want to tell you from the get-go, I know uh, there are some things in this text that I am intentionally not going to talk about in depth this morning. And the reason is... The reason has to do with the purpose of the series. The purpose of the series, again, is called Getting Lost. And and there are truths in here about Jesus Christ that only make sense in light of the fact that we all were lost when we were born into Adam. And unless that is brought out in full depth, then why turn to the gospel? You understand what I mean there? There is a sense in which you have to know how bad things have gotten before you will search out a solution. For instance, if someone has cancer and that cancer is bad, they have to know how bad it is. Is it just a little growth on the arm that I can let go for a while and next time I go into the doctor he can freeze it off? Or is this something that has pervaded all of my body and I've got to do something or otherwise I'm going to lose the battle here. And what this text is going to explain to us and also this series is going to explain to us, it's bad. It's real bad. And until you understand how bad it is, then you won't understand why the gospel is so necessary and so beautiful. Now last week we spent time Um, on a a sermon that was entitled, Where It All Started, Getting Lost, Where It All Started. We were in Genesis chapters 1, 2, and 3. Didn't read the whole thing, but just brought out from that 
where it all started, how it all started. Now you'll recognize that there's some similar um, reference in here. Paul is actually going to take Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and speak about them theologically. He's going to speak in more precision than the narrative, the story of uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 um, actually talks about. But he's, this is where we, we understand that Scripture helps us to interpret Scripture. So Paul is going to speak theologically about Genesis 1, 2, and 3 in this section this morning. So just Paul recaps. He says it started with one man. It started with one man. Now this is important to bring out. Now first, because the word one in, with reference to Adam is used five times. Verse 12, just as, therefore, just as through one man. Verse 15, but the free gift, um, for, for if by the transgression of the one. Verse 16, the one who sinned. Verse 17, for if by the transgression of the one. And then in verse 19, um, for as through the one man's disobedience. So it all started with one Man, and this is important. Listen to this. Not one man among many. There are scientists and even some theologians who will say that there wasn't really a historical Adam, that there was a bunch of people who were created. Because that 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 jihaws with the science. But theologically, there must be one man Adam. Otherwise, the argument that Paul makes here about the one man, Jesus Christ, falls apart. And if it does, we are dead in our sins. So it's not one among many. It started with one man who sinned. Now in our, the, the Old Testament, in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, you do not read the word sin. You don't find that word anywhere. But in this text, where Paul is speaking theologically, about verse about chapters 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis. He does not pull punches. He calls what Adam did sin. He uses the word transgression or transgressed five times. Now that word transgressed has a nuance to it. We can understand it like this. It's overstepping a moral boundary or limit. So five times... Paul acknowledges that God gave Adam a boundary or a limit, and Adam overstepped that boundary. Also, we see the word sinned used, particularly in a specific way, as in violating a divine law. Now, God gave to Adam a specific law. He said, you may eat of any tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil of good and evil you may not eat, for in the day you eat of it, you will die. That was Adam's one law. Don't eat of that tree. And Adam violated that law. Paul acknowledges that in the way he uses the word sinned in verses 14 and 16. Then in verse 19, it's where Paul says Adam disobeyed. Adam disobeyed. Now, a way to restate that is he failed to submit to the law. He failed to submit to the authority of God. He disobeyed his authority. Now, Adam did this in the eating of the fruit. Adam sinned against God, as Paul would put it, in the eating of the fruit as Moses recorded it in Genesis. It started with one man who sinned against God. God. Now, I hope you notice that in the text, it doesn't say that Adam, the one man, sinned or transgressed or disobeyed God. But we have to make specific here what is not specific so that we just don't um, maybe sanitize what's going on here. It's true offense against the most high God. Because of that, the one man was judged by God. Verse 16 says, The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand judgment arose 
from one transgression resulting in condemnation. And notice here the way it is phrased in this particular point. It started with one man who sinned against God and was judged by God. It is a personal thing. God didn't just take his hands off and say, all right, you're going to wind up dying on your own because death has now entered the world. He was judged by God. Paul makes that specific. And then that one man was condemned to death by God. I just read that in verse 16. The judgment arose from one transgression resulting in condemnation. Adam was condemned to death by God. People die every day. I'm going to come back to that point later on. But people die every day. Just understand here. Adam was condemned to death by God. In chapter 5 of Genesis, verse 5, it says, Adam died. And don't make any mistake about this. Death was the divine penalty for his sin, not a natural consequence of his living. God passed down a judgment and condemned and carried out in Adam the penalty for his disobedience, his sin, and his transgression. God had even warned Adam in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. On the day you eat of it, you will die. And Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 4 says, The soul who sins will die. Romans 6, 23 says, The wages of sin is death. So it started with one man who sinned against God, was judged by God, and was condemned to death by God, but then it also spread through the one man. It spread through the one man. Through this one man, sin entered the world. Verse 12. Just as through one man, sin entered into the world. So when we talk about Adam's disobedience and sin entering into the world, we're talking about sin. Almost in a personified way, sin as a thing entered the world. A place where it had never, ever been before. But not only did sin enter the world, sin entered the world and death through sin. That's what verse 12 says. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. So sin entered the world. And death through sin, and then death spread from the one man to all men. Now, how do we know this? Turn to Genesis chapter 5 and start reading, and you will find this word over and over. And he died, and he died, and he died. Death spread from Adam to all men. Now, the way Paul writes it in verse 15, he says, for if, excuse me, by the transgression of the one, the many died, that's not insinuating. Now, we know that Elijah and Enoch did not die. But Paul is not saying here that not everybody had to die. The point here is when he says, through the one transgression, if by the one trans, excuse me, for if by the transgression of the one, the many died, it's talking about, Oh, how many were caught up in this. So many people brought along by this one offense. Notice also in verse 17, talks about death. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. So it started with one man and it spread through one man. Through this one man, sin entered the world and death through sin, and then spread to all men. But Paul makes a very important point. Death spread to all men when there was no law. Don't miss this. When there was no law. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was not in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Verse 14. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. So recall that I said just a few moments ago, Adam broke a specific law. Adam was kicked out of the garden. So he could not have broken that specific law again. Furthermore, God put an angel to the east of Eden to keep Adam and Eve, or anyone else for that matter, from breaking that specific law by gaining access to the garden. So here is the question. If there was no law for humans to break, why were they dying? Now, we can say, and it is absolutely true, yes, they had inherited through natural birth a sin nature that would lead them to death. Paul is not talking about that here. We can also say, 100% true, Yes, they were guilty of personal acts of sin. So not only inherited sin because of natural generation through birth, but also they are guilty personally, personal acts of sin worthy of condemnation. But Paul is not talking about that here. So how can that be just? If God's judgment and condemnation is happening when there is no law. How can that be just? Paul tells us. Because all men were made sinners. Now, verse 19 it says, for, for as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. Again, understanding, Paul is, he'll talk about all and then he'll parallel that with all. He'll talk about many and then parallel that with many. But here we understand many being made sinners is referring to all, even our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was made a sinner on the cross. But not in the same way we were made sinners in Adam. Because all men were made sinners through Adam's disobedience, God is just in carrying out the condemnation and judgment that he did from Adam to Moses. Because all sinned in Adam, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sinned. Now, you might say, yes, they had a sin nature and they started sinning. This is written in a Greek tense that is that communicates that it's talking about an event that happened prior. Not when people began, and I told you this. Paul is not talking about, yes, I inherited a, a sin nature. He's not talking about, yes, um, people began to commit personal acts of sin against God that were worthy of condemnation. He's making a case here that all sinned in Adam. And listen, his sin was imputed to the human race. Look at verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. <clears throat> Imputation simply means that it is credited or reckoned to your account. Now, Here's something that will help us to understand how Paul is arguing in this particular text, how he's making his case. Right? So Adam, he is the federal head or representative for the entire, for, for the human race. And the action of our federal head, our representative, affected almost, remember Enoch and Elijah, almost the entire human race for all time. Now let me tell you, uh, this, this probably explains it a little bit better so that you understand why our connection with Adam, why God was just in condemning people from Adam to Moses when there was no law. How could God justly do that? J. Vernon McGee in his commentary says, now he says we, he's talking about humanity. We are so vitally connected with the first father of the human race that before we even had a human nature, before we had committed a sin, even before we were born, we were sinners in Adam. Adam's sin was imputed or reckoned or placed on our account, so to speak. It was imputed to us. Listen to this. What Adam did, we did. That is what Paul is saying. What Adam is guilty of, we are guilty of. 
His sin against God and his guilt was imputed to us. And notice, I know some of you have thought about this, but Brother Shannon, Genesis talks more about Eve than Adam. Why isn't Eve talked about here? Because Adam was our representative. Adam is the one who failed. Again, I can't stress to you enough the importance of a historical Adam. This is the one man through whom sin entered the world and through whom sin, sin spread through the world. Now, this is so important for Paul's argument, and you're going to you're going to see why in just a moment. And part of it has to do with what some of you, maybe all of you, are already thinking. Because again, all men were made sinners. All sinned in Adam. His sin was imputed to the humanity. So God was perfectly just to condemn all of those people from Adam to Moses. Perfectly just. But you might say the actions of one person should not affect everyone else. That is not fair. Let's deal with the first thing. The actions of one person shouldn't affect everyone else. Paul uses a term in verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So types are typically, huh, I use type and typically together. I don't know why that was so funny to me, but pray for my family. <clears throat> a type is something that is found in the Old Testament that points to Jesus Christ or something in the future. Usually it is pointing to Jesus Christ. But the type is different from what is known as the antitype. The antitype is what it points to. So through Adam, through one man comes sin and judgment and condemnation. So we have to think about this in terms of federal headship, in terms of representation. Get this. The actions of one person shouldn't affect everyone else. That's not fair. I wasn't there when Adam sinned. All Christians weren't there when Jesus lived and died and rose again. But all Christians were made righteous because of the one man, Jesus Christ. All humans weren't present when Adam lived Sinned, was judged, and condemned, but all were declared sinners because of him. Do you see the logic Paul uses? So if you are a Christian, you want the actions of one person to affect you. Now let's deal with the second part. That's not fair. Well, you know, if God was fair... He would have ended the human race as soon as Adam sinned. If God was fair, he would not have sent his spotless son to die for sins that weren't his. And finally, who are we to bring charges of unfairness against God? Whatever God does is always righteous and just. So, this may have seemed to you like, wow, this is kind of out there. Uh, Brother Shannon, this is kind of in a realm. Can you, can you bring this down to every day? Bring this down to me and to you know, how we need to take this and apply it. I'm going to do my best. <clears throat> ten out of every ten people die. Ten out of every ten people die. Each one of them can have a different cause of death. One can die in a car accident. One could die from natural causes. One could die from cancer. One could die from self-inflicted harm. But each one dies because Adam, as their federal head, sinned against God. Each one dies because God imputes the sin of their federal head to them. Each one dies because God justly judges that imputed sin. Each one dies because God justly condemns each one to death for that imputed sin. And finally, and this may be one of the hardest things for you to, to, to swallow, each one dies 
because God justly carries out their sentence of death. Life and death is in the hands of God. So no matter how good of a life each person lives, each one is born in Adam and destined for death. When you are born in Adam, understand you are not born with a clean slate. Because Adam's sin has been imputed to you. And you are destined for death. Not only a physical death, but a spiritual death. You won't just die once, you'll die twice. Ten out of ten people die, but each one doesn't have to die twice. See, that's the point that Paul's trying to make here in this text that I didn't spend a lot of time on because I'm focusing on why we need to have the good news, why it's so important. Each one doesn't have to die twice. There is hope. As dark as the picture is, eternal life is available. The only way that each one can have eternal life that reigns over death is to having been born in Adam be reborn in Christ. To have Christ as their new federal head and to have the righteous actions of their new federal head imputed to them so that they are no longer in Adam but in Christ. Ten out of every ten people die once, but not all ten will die twice. If you don't want to die twice, I encourage you today, repent of your sin. Turn to the one man who can bring righteousness to you, can bring you into right standing before God. Repent of your sin, turn to the one man Christ and live. Let's pray. Father, these are hard truths, yet they're glorious truths. The better we know what our problem is, the better we understand the solution that is ours in Christ. Perhaps there are those here this morning that don't quite understand fully the argument. I pray that they would understand that the situation is bad and they need a Savior. Perhaps it's worse than what they understand. But there's a Savior that's bigger than their problem. He proved that when he died and was raised again on the third day. I pray that anyone who does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit right now, would give that call to their heart to come to the fountain and drink, find life, find salvation. Lord, we would rejoice if that would be today. We know you would too. For that's the reason why you sent your son. So that that people might be brought to life. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to have a time of response. We're going to sing Jesus is tenderly calling. That is 100% true. Jesus is tenderly calling sinners to himself. Will you respond to that call today? Let's sing together.
prayer updates. I do want to give a praise. We, we can, how many of you have heard from Ben Campbell? Ben might be watching right now. How many of you have heard from Ben? A few hands have gone up. Ben's doing well. We're just glad that, that things are going well for Ben up there with uh, Blake and Karen, the rest of the family. So excited for that. Um, your mom had a good first chemo, feeling okay. So we're thankful for that. She might be watching too. At any rate, uh, thank you so much for your prayer and concern for Gail, Stephanie's mom, battling breast cancer right now. Just pray for the days to come. Um, just because she feels good now doesn't mean that's going to keep going, but we sure pray to God that it that it does. Um, other update, Kay. Sue, is there anything new with Kay? They're just trying to get a tracheotomy in her, right? Okay. Okay. Definitely need to pray for Kay. Things are a little rough for her right now. Um, anything that you want to share with us, prayer request or praise, anything that needs prayer right now? Well, the last time I went over to see her, she's doing pretty well, and I praise God for that. Juanita might be watching too. Sherry told me when I went over, she said, we watch you every Sunday. So, that's good. Anybody? Prayer requests. We'll be in prayer for tonight's business meeting and for Dana as she travels to be with us, to help us navigate these waters in which we find ourselves. Um, I know that the Lord wants His Word to go out all around the world. And so, despite this hiccup, God's still on the throne. So, let's just pray that God leads us tonight. Let's stand, we'll have a time of prayer, and we'll be dismissed with the Great Commission. <clears throat> Father, we again are so grateful for the privilege of prayer. And through Jesus Christ, through what he did, now we have access to you. And we lift up our prayers, Lord, humbly, um, reminding ourselves of the great cost that was paid that we might be able to pray. We pray uh, for Gail, we pray for Juanita and for Ben and for Kay, for others that are on the hearts and minds of people right now. We do ask, God, that you would give Dana safe passage as she drives here and help us, Lord, to know and discern your will going forward with respect to the seed company. And we lift up the seed company to you and those that uh, make decisions in that company, uh, that they would be guided by your spirit through clear teachings of the word, uh, and that you would raise up around the world people who are willing to undertake the glorious task of translating your true and powerful word into many languages, people who don't yet know the name of Jesus. Father, we love you. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, Behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age.